You're listening to Therapy for Your Money, a podcast about all things money and finance for therapy practice owners. If you want to feel confident and in control of your financial life, then you've come to the right spot. I'm your host, Julie Harris. I'm an accountant and the owner of Green Oak Accounting. My firm specializes in working with private practices across the U.S., and my team and I have worked with hundreds of private practice owners. I'm on a mission to share all the best practices I've learned along the way because I want you to have a profitable private practice. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Therapy for Your Money. Today, we are talking about year-end tax tips. If I had a dollar for every time someone asked me, what can I do to save on my taxes? I would have a lot of dollars. (laughs) Obviously, it's not the end of the year yet, but I wanted to talk about this early enough so that you have time to do something with all the information I'm going to give you before the end of the year. So obviously taxes can be a huge surprise if you haven't planned for it. And there's no time like the present to start saving for taxes. So if you started saving today, you have between now and April 15th to come up with cash for your taxes, which is still better than having no time at all. So if you haven't been saving for taxes throughout the year, no time like the present. So as a business owner, chances are that at least a portion of your take-home income isn't taxed. If you're an S-Corp, you might be receiving a salary, but hopefully you're also receiving compensation in the form of a distribution or an owner's draw. And if you are a sole proprietor, an LLC, or a partnership, then you're not receiving any salary at all. So the money that you have hasn't been taxed yet. So possibly you're paying quarterly estimated taxes. Maybe you're not and you're just saving till the end of the year. No problem. So the point today is not to talk about quarterly estimated taxes, but to go over some tips for saving on taxes, some things that you might already be doing. All right, so tip number one, accelerating expenses. So if you are a cash basis taxpayer, and most private practices are, um, if you're not sure you can find that information on your tax return, there's a little checkbox that will either say cash basis or accrual. And so if you're a cash basis taxpayer, you can accelerate expenses. What I mean by that is that if there were purchases that you were going to make in January or February, you can make those in December. And what that does is it reduces your taxes now. So if you're spending $1,000 on a new computer in December, that's a deduction in the current tax year versus being a deduction in the next tax year. So that's why we call it accelerating expenses. Um, And we also use that term because really we don't want to be adding expenses that don't need to be there. So we want to be accelerating something that was already planned and something that is needed. It's not worth spending $1,000 on something that you don't need just to save $220 in taxes. And so I'm using 22% here as the tax rate. Your number might be a little bit different, but If you're spending $1,000 and saving 22% on taxes, that means you're still spending $780 on something that you may not need. So I only want you to to accelerate expenses for something that you actually need. One of the big ones I get questions about at the end of the year is vehicles. People want to go buy a nice fancy new car. And if your business can support it and you actually are in need of a new car, go for it. But generally speaking, if your car is perfectly fine and there's not that much profit in the business, that's not usually a good way to spend some money. So only do it if you were 
already going to spend the money. If not, I'd much rather have the cash flow rate. I'd much rather have pay the taxes and have that extra $780 than spending $1,000 that I didn't need to spend. And a lot of times, you know, I'm using a simple example here, but if you add a couple zeros to that, I've seen plenty of folks go out at the end of the year and drop a hundred grand on a car that they didn't actually need and didn't really have the profit to support. So do it if you need to. Some expenses that make sense to accelerate here are things like software costs, especially where you might be able to get a discount for paying for a year upfront, right? A lot of softwares like Zoom will give you a discount if you pay for 12 months versus just month to month. A lot of times there are service vendors that will also give you a discount if you pay upfront for the next quarter, for example. But even if you said to a vendor, you know, I'd like to pay you in December for your January services, most people aren't going to say no to that. So that's a way without prepaying a whole year to be able to accelerate that. Other examples could be office supplies, bonuses. If you're going to give out bonuses, make sure you issue them through payroll in time so that they will be counted against the current year. If there's any equipment purchases, new furniture refresh, like all those things are items that you can accelerate. All right, tip number two, retirement planning. This is the time of year to start thinking about what you might want to do. Depending on how you would do retirement planning, you might need to open up a new account by the end of the year. So depending on what type of retirement account you might have to do something before December 31st. So just keep that in mind. But the your options here might be a SEP if you're a solo practice owner. It could be additional retirement contributions to your 401k. It could be doing an IRA. There's a lot of different options out there. All of those will reduce your taxable income. So depending on what you do, an IRA would be a personal account, not a business account, but it will still reduce your tax burden on the personal side. And just as a little little parenthesis, remember that most entities are pass-through entities. And so the business technically isn't the one paying the tax, right? That's flowing through to your personal tax return and you're paying taxes on your personal 1040. So even though making an IRA contribution isn't technically a business expense, right? It won't go on your business books. You're still reducing your taxable income and that's a really good thing. All right, tip number three, business use of your personal car. So if you have a car that the business does not own, which is very common, you must keep mileage records, but you can reimburse yourself for any mileage that is business related. So if you're running an, ex- running an errand, for the business that is tax deductible. You can reimburse yourself for that. A lot of practice owners will have an administrative home office. And that means that when they are traveling from their administrative home office to their office where they see clients, that mileage now becomes deductible or reimbursable. So you can reimburse yourself at the federal mileage rate on a regular basis. Um, You can also do an adjustment at the end of the year. The important thing to know here is that you do need to keep a mileage log. If you are audited and you do not have a mileage log, those expenses will not be allowed. So if you have QuickBooks Online, the master user of QuickBooks Online can have a mileage tracker on their phone. So put the app on your phone and set that up and it can calculate that automatically for you, which is really, really nice. Tip number four, home office deduction. There is this old wives tale that 
a home office is a red flag for audit. I personally have not found that to be true, and most of my colleagues have not found that to be true as well. So if you're entitled to a home office deduction, take it. The the thing that you want to do here is just make sure that you're documenting things correctly, right? So some of the restrictions for a home office is that it has to be exclusively used for your business. And so you want to make sure typically that means it's a room with a door, right? Not just a corner of the kitchen table. That wouldn't count. But if you do have a home office that you use exclusively for the business, you can take that home office deduction. So you do want to keep a spreadsheet and have all of your expenses listed there. And you can take a percentage of that equivalent to the percentage of your home office compared to your whole house. So if you have an S Corp, there is no home office deduction there, but you could have an accountable plan so that you could uh, reimburse yourself for those expenses as well. So that is an option there too. Tip number five is looking at your entity structure. This is a good exercise to do each year, specifically if you are a sole proprietor or an LLC. You've probably heard of an S-Corp, right? I get this question all the time. When is it time to be an S-Corp? And the reality is with since Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in 2017, an S-Corp is no longer the slam dunk that it previously was. So it's not always the best option, especially if you're just getting started. But it certainly is something that you should look at on a regular basis. So look at whether or not the entity that you currently have is the most beneficial for you from a tax perspective. And if it's not, you still have time to do an, a late S-Corp election and you can ask your accountant for help with that. But that still is an option. But there are some compliance items that you would need to take care of by the end of the year. So it's easier to do before the end of the year versus after the end of the year in the sense that if you have to be on payroll, you would have time still to run payroll at least one and do a catch up payroll for the year there. So look at that. In my firm, we do, we run comparisons often for our clients. So we we look at that on a regular basis. And just keep in mind, you know, there's also, there also can be a state consequence to doing an S-Corp election. Some states do not recognize S-Corp, so you are taxed as a C-Corp, which means that you could have double taxation. So in some states, it makes less sense to be an S-Corp unless you're a very high earner. There are some times where that doesn't really make sense. Tip number six, hiring your children. So the main reason you might want to do this is to shift income from your high tax bracket to your child's much lower tax bracket. So then your child would take that money and pay for expenses that you would be paying for anyway, right? So that might be their car, that might be private school, it could be college, books, um, other living expenses, right? So typically those are not tax deductible to you. But if you are paying your child for work that they are legitimately doing in your business, you can take that deduction in your business and they can use those personal funds to pay for their personal expenses. So the logistics of it would look something like this. You do need to keep strong records. So you want to pay them a rate that is industry average. So if you're paying everyone in your business $15 an hour, to do administrative work, you cannot pay your child $50 an hour to do the same work, right? So it has to be age appropriate. This tends to work best for kids that are uh, over 10, probably even over, you know, 12, so of that teenage year. But there's a lot of different things that they could do. So if they are actually working in your office doing some administrative work, that would be great. If they're helping you with your website, 
if they're shredding files, there's a lot of different things that they could be doing and that you could be paying them for. So you want to make sure you keep good records of what their job description was, of what exactly they are doing and how many hours they are working. But so let's say in this example that you're in a 22% tax bracket. So depending on how much your child is making, they could be in a 0% tax bracket, right? So if you're paying them a couple thousand dollars to do some work, you're shifting that income into a no tax situation and still paying for all the things that you would have been paying for otherwise. So a lot of business owners that are parents of teenagers use that. All right, number seven would be using the Augusta loophole. So what that loophole is, it comes from the Augusta golf tournament. I think it's called a tournament where you can rent your primary residence for up to 14 days per year and not have to pay taxes on it. So when would you use this in your business? If you are an escort, you're sh- you're supposed to be having board meetings so you can rent your house to yourself for board meetings. So you can put some time on the schedule and this might be a monthly planning meeting, right? A planning meeting with yourself if you're the only shareholder in your escort. You can still have a meeting with yourself where you're looking at the budget, looking at the forecast, planning out hiring, right? And so you can rent your a portion of your home to yourself for that meeting. And so you would want to get comparisons and look at, you know, how much could you rent a hotel space or a private room in a restaurant for to do that specific meeting. And so you, you have it documented and then you can pay that to yourself. There are, again, some logistics issues here. So you do want to make sure that you're issuing a 1099 to yourself. It's not taxable, but you still should be reporting that and reporting that it is a less than 14-day rental. But then that's another way to get uh, to reduce your business expense in a way that's not taxable to you. So really, you're taking home the money and you're adding a business expense, but it's not taxable on your side. That's a win-win. So you probably want to do something like having a lease agreement as well, right, between yourself and yourself. So you just want to dock a lot of these tax saving tips. You just need some some solid documentation. That's it. The last tip is health insurance. This one seems like such an obvious one for me, but a lot of times when I look at a self-prepared tax return that a business owner prepped on TurboTax, I find that they were eligible for a self-employed health insurance deduction and they didn't take it. And that just breaks my heart. So uh, if you are self-employed and you're not covered on a spouse's group plan and you're getting your own health insurance, you're absolutely eligible for a self-employed health insurance deduction. So take it. And same applies if you have a health insurance plan that's HSA eligible, that's for health savings account. You should definitely put some money in there if you have extra cash left over at the end of the year. That is a tax savings on the federal side. And so you can contribute, uh, I think this year is up to $7,000 if you have a family plan. You should definitely maximize that to save money for future health expenses and reduce your tax burden now. Because when you take that money out, it's not taxable as long as you're using it for health-related items. So you could pay for co-pays, pay for a surgery, pay for orthodontics for your kids, all with tax-free money. So I'm also going to give you, this is not a tax tip, but uh, more of a year-end tip. So if you've got, if you're using a business credit card 
And a lot of those have some pretty generous point uh, structures. Use those points for yourself. You can buy gift cards, gifts, get an Amazon credit, whatever it may be, and you, you don't have to use those in the business. You can use those for personal travel. So use those on yourself at the end of the year and buy yourself something nice. There you go. So this is a nice short episode. I just wanted to give you the tips. Again, there's a lot of documentation that you're going to need to take care of with with many of these. So do consult your accountant to make sure that you're first eligible for these and doing them in the right way. But these are all ways that you can reduce your tax bill at the end of the year for something that you might be doing anyways. All right, listeners, what's your action item for today? What tax tip could you use to reduce your tax liability at the end of the year? Head over to therapyforyourmoney.com where you can download that full list of tax tips plus the bonus tip. Talk to you soon. If you're looking for accounting help, head over to therapyforyourmoney.com slash accounting to find information about my accounting firm and all of our specialized services just for private practice owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Just head over to iTunes, click on ratings and reviews, and give us a quick shout out. We really appreciate it. The information contained in this podcast represents the host and guest's general opinions and should not be construed as personalized accounting and tax advice. Listeners should consider all facts and circumstances before applying this information and seek appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. Any info provided does not constitute accounting, tax, or legal advice.